Good morning, church. Take your Bibles and turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll be digging into this here in just a moment. It's good to see everybody this morning. I've met several visitors in both of our assemblies this morning. And, of course, we have a host of folks on live stream. We want to welcome you. And uh, it's just good to be together as a, as a forever family. Uh, we had a great event here at our building last night. Dr. Ben Carson came and spoke and did a great job. Uh, did you enjoy that, by the way? Wasn't that good? Yeah, he did a great job. Just excellent, excellent. You know, uh, this whole uh, book is about ministry. And uh, uh, in Chapter 5, he talks about that ministry of reconciliation and what that means. Uh, and uh, even that God is begging for the souls of men through us. He makes his appeal to people through the church. Just through us and all of our mess-ups and all the stuff that we go through. He makes his appeal to win souls through us. I think the Lord's talking to me right now. Uh, or is that something? Okay, that's something else. All right, all right. I'm not going to point anybody out because it, it could be me next time with my phone in my pocket. You know, uh, Gordon Dasher used to always call me during while I was while I was preaching. He'd try to catch me with my phone on, uh, and on the way home I would just text him and say, "Good try." Uh, so, but we do get to partner with some great folks around the world. Paul talks about this partnership in ministry in this chapter. But before we dig into the text, I want to remind you of someone that we partner with in Zambia and the need that exists there and what we're doing as a church there. And so Thomas is a great partner in the gospel there. And so I want, I want us to watch this uh, short video and then we'll uh, get into our text. One Kingdom is the global missions and relief arm of Whites Ferry Road Church. This ministry is partnered with over 100 men and women in upwards of 70 nations. We seek to empower and equip local leaders to share the gospel in every nation and every language. We do that through projects like World Radio, where we share our hope through gospel radio broadcasts all over the globe. Another way we accomplish this goal is by teaching biblical principles through agriculture, which helps to sustain the local economies and stabilize communities in countries like Liberia. One Kingdom also responds to disasters, both domestically and internationally. One of the benefits of having partners around the globe is that when disaster strikes, we already have frontline workers ready to respond. Such is the case in Zambia, where our friend and partner, Thomas Simubali, is currently responding to a drought and subsequent famine. In the village of Simalundu, home to the Tonga people, a severe drought has put the lives of these people in danger. With the next harvest not until April of 2023 and their storage barns already emptied, this community in Zambia is in immediate need of support. One Kingdom is committed to providing enough support to carry this village into the next harvest. In order to do so, 
We need to provide roughly 1,800 bags of maize to be distributed over the next nine months. A contribution of $50 to One Kingdom would provide five bags of maize for the Tonga people. The need is urgent, and our hope is to meet this demand as soon as possible. Our brothers and sisters in Zambia need your help. We are asking for you to partner with One Kingdom to fulfill this need. By giving today, you are meeting the needs of this community, but more than that, you are providing hope in the name of Jesus. You know, it's a great honor to partner with people all over the world. Uh, Thomas does a great work there. And uh, uh, I was just thinking about, uh, uh, you know, while Jesus didn't feed everybody while he was here, he didn't solve the problem of poverty. His goal was to solve the problem of our own poverty of our souls. But at the same time, when he came in contact and had an opportunity to feed people, he fed them, right? And then he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And that's what Thomas does, and uh, that's what we get to do in, the, in this church through One Kingdom. Thank you. Many of you have already contributed to that. It's going to uh, save lives, and it's going to prolong those lives so they can hear about the good news of Jesus. And so that's really what it's all about. I think sometimes we make Christianity a little bit more difficult than it really is. You know, James says true religion is uh, helping those that can't help themselves. The widows, the orphans, taking care of people. And uh, that's what uh, that effort is about. And, it's, uh, and look, we're sitting in a nice air-conditioned uh, building and nice seats. And we have a, that's not a guilt thing. We've just been blessed. I'm thankful to God for that, by the way. Uh, and, uh, and, and out of that blessings, God's allowed us to connect with people all over the world. And I'll tell you what, I wish I could load up everybody in the room, everybody in both rooms and live stream. I wish I could load you up and take you physically and let you see what you are doing for the kingdom in these places around the world. It's amazing. Uh, and it keeps, uh, I'm going to tell you what, it keeps my fire lit all the time as I hear from these people in different parts of the world. Well, uh, Paul was uh, struggling a little bit with some co-workers he had in the ministry, chapter 6. Let's do a little bit of reading. As God's co-workers or partners, some say, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the time of uh, salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Let's deal with these verses first. Remember this. Remember these two words. Full grace. Because when he says that this grace, he doesn't want this grace to be in vain. The word vain there means empty, right? And so, or useless. And so he doesn't want this to be vain. He wants this to be a fullness, a fruitfulness, a productivity as workers with God to see the kingdom of God grow. Uh, Now, I understand the difference between full and empty. Do you? Do you? Like this if you do, like this if you don't. We try to make it easy if we can right here, okay? Susan made some uh, oatmeal raisin uh, cookies the other day, and I really shouldn't be having them, uh, but that didn't stop me. <laughs> so I went in there, and I opened it up, and it, it started full. 
And I came back, uh, and it ended up empty. Now, I'm not saying who in the family emptied it. I'm just saying it started full and it ended empty. I understand what that means. You do too, right? And, and what a shame to open up something, expecting something good there, and all of a sudden it's gone. Can you imagine Paul's disappointment to come to the uh, right to the Corinthian church and he finds out and he hears about them and what should be a full fruitful ministry going on, all of a sudden he's having to say, wait a minute, I, I'm warning you, don't be empty here. Don't let the grace of God be, end up not being fruitful to you. So as co-workers, as partners, he, he doesn't want that to take place. Don't receive grace in vain. And he quotes Isaiah 49, makes an application of that text where he says, now is the day. There is a readiness that should always exist in us. Now is the day of salvation. God has heard us. God has helped us. And God will save us. Then he says in verse 3 through 13, let's read those. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in trouble, hardship, distress, in beatings, imprisonments, and in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness in the Holy Spirit, in sincere love, in truthful speech, in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, had a bad report and good report, Genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, uh, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. So the challenge now he has in ministry is uh, this hard work with these Corinthians is to get their hearts open. His is open. And matter of fact, he even says, look, uh, we don't want any stumbling block in front of anybody. By the way, that word, that stumbling block, it's, it's actually the word for, uh, in the original language, to, to hit your toe on a rock. Ever, anybody ever done that? I mean, you know, you just smash that toe, drop something on it or whatever. You know how that ends. He said, I don't want to put anything like that in front of you so that you have that happen to you. I don't want to do that. I want to make this thing easy for you to understand that Paul says, look, our ministry is not discredited by what we've been doing. Well, we've gone through all these things, and he gives you this big, long list. And I started to go through each one and define what it was and all those kinds of things, and define the, the, the uh, Greek words and uh, get a little bit more meat out of some of that. But look, you don't need that. I don't need that. We can read the paragraph and tell he's been through some difficult times, really hard times. But it's worth it for the people he loves. You ever feel like you love some people more than they love you? Or have you ever worked with your kid in a situation where you're trying to be open-hearted, but you don't feel like you're getting that back? Right? You got that right, parents. You understand that. And that's 
how Paul is with the Corinthian church. Paul's ministry suffered hardship. And yet, he's willing to go through it all for the brothers. The challenge to them and the challenge to me and the challenge to this church is to open our hearts to the Word of God, how He's teaching us and how He wants us to live. That we cannot get turned on our own way so much that that we might hear the Word, but we really don't take it to heart and do anything with it. Because this is going to be a problem with them. So he says, I want you to be full of grace. I don't want your grace to be empty. I want it to be full. and I want it to be fruitful. And I want you to be open-hearted like we are to you. That's what a good partnership does. You're both open-hearted to one another. And Paul said, I'm that way. I want you to be that way. Yet they had a difficult time. It's hard to change the heart, isn't it? You can change a lot of outside things. But to change the heart, that's another challenge. Well, then this next section is really an identity of holiness. Look what he says. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, that's not talking about marriage, by the way. Paul deals with that earlier in Corinthians, right? You're married to an unbeliever. You be faithful. You serve the Lord in front of them. You keep your marriage together. It's not talking about that. He's not talking about don't date someone who's in the world or we wouldn't have the David Brumley conversion and several others that I know in my youth group that I just told those girls, sick them, go get them, you know. Uh, It's not talking about that. We'll we'll see the context here, okay? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? But what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's another name for Satan. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, now we'll deal with the rest of that verse in just a minute. So the first thing he talks about in this identity is he's talking about separating yourselves out away from something. Well, what were they having a problem with? Well, remember their struggle all along in this book has been to, to stay hooked back into their old life and still try to say, I'm God's child and I'm God's daughter. They had this problem of hanging on to the old gods and the old festivals and the old food and all the things that go along with that and not separating themselves out from that. That's the idea here. He says, look, you can't live in two worlds like that. It's impossible. So he goes on to tell them. Well, first, let me say first a little bit about this list here. Each one of these, he gives righteousness first, and then some say wickedness, some versions say lawlessness. Righteousness and lawlessness. What's that describing? Your behavior. Then he gives light versus darkness. That's our character. Then he gives Christ versus Satan. Two totally different natures. 
Believers versus unbelievers. Two totally different faiths. God versus idols. God's identity, the temple of God. You identify with God. You're his child. Or the temple of the idol. So you can't be going up and saying, I'm a part of this idol temple worship and still somehow or another claim that I'm God's. Those things don't partner. They don't work together for the kingdom. And you say, well, Mike, we don't really have that kind of thing today. Oh, yes, exactly we have that kind of thing today. Our culture wants to push. Listening? Everybody listen. Our culture wants to push churches into affirming things that are wrong biblically. And somehow or another even come to the logic that, well, this is how we do this with love and compassion. This is why we have to accept everybody in. And, uh, 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 you know, matter of fact, the big word is toleration, right? We tolerate, we accept, we affirm everybody in order to help grow everybody. Bad doctrine. Bad doctrine. We cannot compromise the truth to people who live in worldliness and bring them in as if they're not in worldliness and make that a part of the church and somehow, in some kind of an odd way, make that a motive where we're trying to reach them for Jesus. Look, we've always said around here, we love everybody, right? It's not a matter of love. It's not a matter of compassion. I have great compassion. People had great compassion for me when I was out in the world living wrong. I still need that compassion because I still mess up in life, right? We're all on this journey together. We have to be open to the broken. I get it. But what we can't do is give in on doctrine of what's right and wrong or what's moral and immoral. And somehow or another disguises that away. Well, we can accept this lifestyle. We can accept this gender identity crisis that our culture is going through. We can accept all of a sudden immoral relationships and somehow or another we're going to claim they're moral and right now just because culture accepts them or because the courtroom accepts them or because our friends or our family accepts them. And it's going to get harder before it gets easier for the church of God. You don't make alliances with the world to grow the kingdom of God. The church is challenged. Our identity, my identity is is defined by God. My identity is not defined by By my success or failure. My identity is not defined by the color of my skin. My identity is not defined by wealth or poverty. My identity is not defined by education or lack of it. And my identity is not defined because I am a male or female or from some worldly point of view, try to choose some other kind of gender identity. I, my identity as a, God, as a child of God is found in Christ, and Christ alone decides my identity. I believe we remember Paul said earlier, in a, with passion in a passage, 
really a passage of rejoicing. It says, you were this, you were this, you were this, but now you're this. Such were some of you, such are some of us. You see, the hardest thing about preaching is that there's always a gap between what I say and how I live. Not because of desire, but because of humanity. I'm just telling you, I'm as broken as any person sitting out there in that pew. So this book challenges me first. When I was back talking to Clay uh, on the live stream earlier, he he asked me about why did I choose chapter 6 and I said, because it comes after chapter 5. And, uh, uh, but then he was talking about, man, I think this chapter is really talking to me. And I said, well, really, it, talk, it, it talks to me first every time I study something. So we're all in this thing together to grow and to learn and to be credible witnesses for the gospel. And see, when good things come our way, we get encouragement. But God, and only God, gets the glory. We must never see ourselves as a prideful people thinking we have it all together. I'm not the only one saved. And neither are those who just agree with me in my doctrine. Because I don't make the decision about who's in and out of heaven. But the gospel says... And the Bible is clear in 1 Corinthians 15 what that is. And that simple story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the power to change the hearts of the Corinthians. It's the power to change my heart and your heart too. And aren't you grateful for the grace found in the story of the gospel? So I can't partner. I can't partner with people in the world with lawlessness. I can't. I'm trying to stay out of it myself. I can't run with it. You know, we all have different weaknesses in our life, right? Strengths. Aren't you glad that God, through your weakness, He makes you strong and changes your life? But you know, when you have a temptation, you got to figure out a way to stay away from that thing. And God always, He promises, provides a way of escape. Which is why sometimes I have to drive home another way other than going by Baskin Robbins. <laughs> now, now, one of the brothers was really, he, he thought he was blessing me, but he gave me a gift card and a Tabaskin Robbins. And you know, right now I could eat a banana split so quick. We all have temptations, don't we? You know, uh, if you just came out of the bar and that was your lifestyle, then it's not a good idea to drive by that place every night. If you just came out of a bad relationship, it's not, by, it's not good to drive by her house all the time. Sometimes the simplest decisions... That we can make that would help us. We just go awry. Why is that? Because we sometimes haven't really settled that partnership thing down. He says here, come out and be separated. from. Look at the rest of the verse. 
Look at the I wills here. This is what God says. I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. God says, I will. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, I want you to take that last verse there and really hang on to it. Read it over two or three times this week, would you? One more time. Therefore, since we have these promises, we just read them, what God will do. Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. The word reverence in the Greek, phobos, is the word for fear. Out of fear of God. That word literally means aroused by intense concern. There is a sudden soberness and awakeness that takes place. And it's intense. That's the fearing God that needs to be restored in our churches and in our society. God is a God of grace and He is a great Father and He loves us. But we do a disservice to our children when we act like He's unconcerned and we do not teach them the respect, reverence, and fear of God Almighty. We need to restore the doctrine of fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole life, the Bible says. We won't respect one another until we respect the one who made us. And when we have an awe and holiness in His holiness, and we have an awe about His greatness and His love and His righteousness... And his judgment. When we restore that awe, that respect, that thing that makes us fall down on our knees or flat on our face before a holy God. When we restore that kind of respect to God, we'll respect better what God has made. And we'll learn how to treat one another in a respectful and loving way. And by the way, Rick, thanks for the song, Love One Another. You know, uh, I didn't grow up in a family that touched. You know, if we were touching, this because we were fighting and uh, wrestling or something, you know. I, and holding, holding another man's hand. There's so many seconds. I can only do that till it's really awkward, you know. So you put me in an awkward situation, Rick. But, but you know, you only grow when you're uncomfortable, I heard. And so I really grew, uh, uh, down there and, uh, today. But there is something about the power of touch, isn't there? Uh, I'm thankful you reminded us. By this shall all men know you are my disciples. That you what? Love one another. Love one another. 
I, I love this. In the, uh, uh, I was uh, uh, in in our other assembly, instrumental assembly earlier in worship, and and as the, as the worship song was sung, as John and uh, Aaron were uh, doing such a great job of pulling our hearts toward God. And and I, I watched several folks I know that just went down and fell on their knees with other people around them, praying over them and laying hands on them. And I thought, that's that's it. Love. Love for one another. Respect God. Fear God. Love one another. And open our hearts. That God might fill us with fruitfulness by His grace. And a commitment to never partner with the world or give in to the culture. But to be God's holy people. For the day is the day of salvation. Father, we love you. Thank you for the day. May your word stay in our hearts, grow in our hearts. Father, we need your help. I pray, Father, that you would strengthen our church. Help us, Father, to have the good news of Jesus on our lips and ready to share the first opportunity. Thank you for your grace that cleanses us. Thank you, Father, for the fruit that you are bringing forth out of this church. Thank you, Father, for this this forever family that is such an encouragement to me. Today, Father, I ask your blessings upon anyone in this room that that's unsure about their relationship or that's burdened that they'll respond to you and that they'll fear you and love you and cry out to you, Father, for grace and mercy. For we know you hear, you help, and you save. In Jesus' name, and the church said, If you have a need, come while we stand.